you bloodthirsty film nerds. I'm Eli M, and this is the Movie Massacre Podcast. Hello, Oscar junkies. This is the Movie Massacre Podcast, made by film geeks for film geeks. And I am your host, Eli M. Remember to email me all your thoughts and suggestions and complaints at Eli's Movie Massacre at gmail.com. That's E L I S Movie Massacre, all one word. Or find me on the Twitter at Eli's Massacre. Okay, this is it. The Oscars are about to start. I'm about to head over to Cal's to watch this year's special gong show. I have no idea what's going to happen, though why would I? <laughs> I'm not sure how much I care, but you know, any excuse to get together with friends and food and wine is okay in my books. Um, in this episode, I invited Elliot back to talk about the Oscars um, in general, what makes them culturally valuable and what makes them culturally awful. Uh, I think after having this conversation, I gain a smidgen more respect for the Academy Awards and what they try to accomplish. I think. Maybe. Alright, here we go. Hey, Elliot. Hey, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me back. You can look at me when you talk. You don't <laughs> well, have to look at the microphone. Well, I don't know. I just I feel that that's like the centerpiece. If I turn my, my face away, I won't catch it. I'm new with technology. I hear that you are quite the Oscar enthusiast. Yeah. I remember watching the 1997 Oscars, which is when, like, Titanic won. Yes, I remember that year very well. They had a brief clip of every single movie that had won Best Picture leading up to that year. Oh, yes, that's right. In chronological order. And, uh, you know, you're young and impressionable. And I was like, oh, man, it'd be so cool to, like, see all these movies. And I don't know, just, like, when you're young, you kind of, like, you, you kind of think of it as just kind of, like, a celebration of film. Mm-hmm. And then I went out and, like, made, like, a little list and, like, tried to see every movie that won Best Picture. How far did you get on your list? I think I've only seen, there's only six, five or six that I haven't seen. That's pretty impressive. How many in total is that? Like, how well, how far back are we talking here? Well, the first Oscars... Took place in 1929, but is recognizing the films that came out in 1927, 1928. Right. And there's a couple of years of like recognizing this like overlap, but then they just by the time 1930 came around, they had some catch up to do though. You see. So aside from some childhood naivete, <laughs> what uh, what was it that attracted you to the Oscars and the whole ceremony? For me, it was like part of part of that wasn't just like movies. It was also this idea of like spectacle. And entertainment, I kind of bought into like the glamour of Hollywood, but I, for me, it was, it was more about like old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I don't maybe that's kind of like what I dislike about most about the Oscars nowadays. Do you think that some of the glamour that you see in old Hollywood is somewhat nostalgic and? Uh... Oh, totally. It's totally just it's it's totally nostalgia. It's totally I'm me yearning for something different, or you're you're me yearning to be there. But I'm sure if I had lived during that time, I'd have the same feelings about glamour then as I do right now. I understand. So what was it that made you fall out of love, I guess, with 
all these Oscars. I mean, if you started off with your list so enthusiastically, was there a turning point where you felt that you didn't want to continue watching these movies, or...? Oh, because I, I haven't seen them all? Is that what you mean? Well, yeah, but also you talk about how you seem to have a, a slightly more negative view now of it mm. than... So, I, I, I guess oh, okay. what I'm asking is, in watching all of these movies, did you become disillusioned? No, 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 not at all. And I, I you, had, you had to sit through quite a few bad ones. <laughs> like, quite a few bad ones. <laughs> like what? Can you think of any? Yeah, for, like, the 1968 Oliver, like, musical winning? Brutal. <laughs> Terrible. Well, it's just screechy, these, like, whiny, like, high-pitched voice, like, English children. <laughs> oh, well, that's, I'm gonna sit that one out if it involves a bunch of children. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was pretty, that was bad. Some of them are just infuriating and... Not necessarily because, like, they're not, A, they're not that great of a movie, but you're also knowing what they beat. Right. So, like, How Green Is My Valley fucking, like, beat yeah, Citizen Kane, and, like, you just want right. to bang yeah. your head against the wall. Yeah. There's some examples, I guess, in the history of the Oscars where it's so obviously political. You gave it, yeah, you gave it the award, but no one remembers this movie later on. It, it's never been necessarily apolitical. I mean, just if it was right. it was formed by movie producers, like big time guys. Yeah, like, the studios. Know, yeah. Yeah, the studios, like, especially like it was Louis B. Mayer who became like he was the head producer at MGM during its like years and like which ruling Hollywood, and he came up with the idea, and then you know the, the first like members of the society were all like big industry types. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it it's always kind of been something contrived in that regard, right. and I think that's what you know, probably fed into, like, who won and who who lost. So I guess the question that I'm asking today, and the topic of our podcast, is what's the fucking point of all this shit? <laughs> <laughs> and to say it in less crass terms, the Oscars are a really important time for the film industry. There's a lot of financial elements riding on these on these nominations. The facade that is put forward in the media and with the industry itself is that there's artistic value mm-hmm. in what they're awarding. Often that's just not the case. That just doesn't happen. I mean, the conspiracy theorist in me would like to, you know, assume that it's a group of evil old white men tapping their fingers together going, ha 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 ha. <laughs> but I, that's the rationalist in me knows that uh, it's just a situation of people voting for what's popular. I think that definitely happens most of the time. And what, if you look what happens? that they what they ended up the, where the awards go are for a safe choice a comfortable choice the most popular choice it's kind of you're, you're right like in many times it is a popularity contest but then there's also the times that can be surprising and then that almost kind of like keeps you hooked well like Catherine Bigelow winning two years ago and uh, her movie uh, for the Hurt Locker the Hurt Locker beating yeah. an avatar I yeah. mean that was very much that was very satisfying yeah yeah Whereas the King's Speech winning last year was not satisfying. <laughs> no, no, but that's what it's, it's <laughs> you know, the good Oscar can giveth, but it can also take it. Are you equating the Oscars <laughs> to deity? <laughs> I'm sure for some they are. Yeah. Can you think of any moments related to the Oscars that have had some kind of like lasting effects on the industry? I definitely think that there's been cases in which an Oscar award has given some has given a certain film genres more credibility 
after winning awards. Film genres? But like a type of film. So for instance, like Silence of the Lambs winning, I mean, look, A being nominated and winning, winning Best Picture, then Director, Actor, Actress. Like, to me, if that type of movie can win, which is very, very, you know... Well, it's essentially a horror film. Exactly. So something like that, where if to me, I think gave a genre or you know a pseudo genre. No, I think genre is the right word. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. So I think that gave it like a lot more credibility. Interesting. That's an interesting point. So again, I think the the every again ever not all the time, and again this is it's very fickle. It's, mm-hmm. Again, that's what's it's it's, very, it's it frustrating is, in that. It's way. frustratingly fickle. Yes. Yeah. You're because right. sometimes it's just like you look at the lineup, you're like man, oh man, that was just you know softballs. Well, that's what it, that's how I feel about this year's, honestly. So there's nine films nominated, and there's four maybe that are decent. Well, part of the like they shouldn't have nine films. That's just silly. Like they should stick with five because. Then you, you're you just scrambling. And well, then, but yeah. I mean, last year, there's some really great films that got nominated yeah, for Best Picture. That is true. And they true. wouldn't have gotten recognized if it hadn't been expanded to include more. Yeah, no, that is true. It could be just that, you know, some years are just going to be bad years because... That's true. Some years you look back and you think, man, man, how is this not nominated? And you look at the five films that were and you're like, well... Right. What, what would I replace? I don't know. So I think my biggest one of my biggest criticisms of the Oscars and I don't think you can blame the Oscars for this it's just that watching the Oscars you can see a lot of problems in the industry in terms of diversity uh and I'm specifically talking about women mm-hmm. in the film industry right for um sure. I remember a ceremony it might have been the 1997 Oscars it might have been a bit later um, but at the end, all the winners were on stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. And okay. the camera panned back, and me being me, I was like, I want to see all the pretty dresses right. because yeah, I love yeah. the pretty dresses. And unfortunately, there were no pretty dresses because there was only two or three women who had won awards that year. It was these three or four dresses amongst a sea of suits. Um, and that has a pretty big impact on... A young person you know you can't blame the Oscars for not nominating women I don't think there's an agenda to not recognize women no. I think it's a symptom that there is not enough women working in these industries and I know that a lot of these te- and I, I I'm talking not just about direct directing I'm talking about all the technical oh, yeah, jobs yeah, too sure. and the thing with those jobs is that they're all unionized so you have to work a couple decades before yeah, you get yeah. to be a DP before you officially get to be a director before you do all these things so I know that that's, I know the industry's changed and I know it's a slow process, but the Oscars have this kind of way of, of pretending that they've solved problems, right? Like you mentioned Catherine Bigelow getting the award for Best Director. So it's like, oh, look, we, we've, we've given the award to a woman. Good job for us. The next year, there's less women than ever. The same goes for African-American um, performances. Um, I mean... This year, there's one movie that addresses specifically for African Americans, and they've gotten a bunch of nominations. But in terms of the lack of you know, women being represented, I think that is a serious issue. Mm-hmm. You focus. You brought African Americans, but I mean, you know, they've won you know 100 percent more awards than. Um, this year, there is a Latino actor who's been nominated, or a Mexican actor who's been nominated for the film that's specifically about Mexican immigrants right, right. In, this, in L.A. Sometimes I think that the, these nominations should serve as encouragement to studios to make more films like these films, right? Right, right. Of course, there should be more films made about 
Latinos with Latinos in them because they're a huge population in the States. But at the same time, this movie sucks. And this performance is not good at all. Right, right. So is this the Academy Award voters going, look, we've solved the Latino invisibility problem in the film industry. Ta-da! Let's move on, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I have a hard time, though, kind of thinking it's like that the Academy operates as some sort of like Borg like collectivity, like hive mind collectivity, where they're like, this year, Spanish actor, okay, and then they all go out and they fill their ballots and like, <laughs> drop them in the mail like simultaneously. That's what I mean about my conflicting rationality with my conspiracy theories. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I think maybe that one was like, I guess just enough people thought it was. Well, but that's, I mean, that's or... kind of where I think the truth lies is that. No, it's not a collective Borg-like thought process, but it is a populist thought process, right? Yeah, There is a populist idea of we should be doing this. And there's a hype machine, like, there's a hype machine behind these movies, too, that put these ideas forward. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And by hype machine, I mean the Weinstein Distribution Company. They love hyping their movies. Yeah. This applies to um, Bridesmaids. People keep classifying it as it, it's funny even though it has a bunch of women in it. Yeah, I don't get that. It pisses me off beyond anything because this film, first of all, has been called crass and, and really raunchy, but it's not any raunchier than any of the other films by this group of producers that they've put out, which includes like I Love You Man and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Like Those are all films. Classics. Well, they're very well-made films about honest people, and yes, it involves some particularly <laughs> raunchy topics. They're very funny, but they're not... This Just because this movie has a bunch of women in it, it doesn't make it any less honest or any less funny. Oh, no, of course not. And, but people seem to be surprised that because it's women saying dirty things, dirty-ish things, talking about blowjobs and whatever, you know, I'm like, okay, well, this... Can we stop classifying this movie as, despite the women, it's funny? I think there need to be more movies like that because to me it's like I just hate when people are have like assigned roles and this is how one's supposed to act. The Academy often tries to make sense of a, a lot of very complex issues by assigning roles. But yeah, the Academy is very progressive, or at least like to see themselves as progressive. They like to see themselves as progressive. Right, but like mo- like a lot of the members have traditionally been kind of at least for the U.S. like left of center, and. I mean, in fact, like, they gave it, like, an Academy Award to, like, an African-American, like, 1939. So, okay, here, here's the question, then. Do you think the Oscars have done more harm than good or more good than harm? Uh, <laughs> I think they've done more good. I don't think they've done a lot of good, but I don't think they've done, like, really any real harm. They just kind of fall in the middle and are forgettable for the most part? Well, I don't have to say forgettable, but I don't think it's their role to do necessarily good. Or do bad. Like, I think it's it's a pretty then? neutral... This is how I look at it. It's for people who I don't really have much of a frame of reference with. If you talk about the Oscars, then you can get, get into discussion about movies and film and what's good and what's not. So it creates a list. It's a, in some ways a very arbitrary list of movies mm-hmm. and performances and, and such that are good or bad. I mean, or good, are they, which that academy says, oh, these are good, good films. These are the ones you should go see. Mm-hmm. And then people can, A, discuss the list... What should be there? What should not? And you can talk about the films that are on there. Have you seen them? Then you then it just like it becomes a discussion point. Mm-hmm. And then you can also discuss the winners and the losers. I think. I think. I'm pretty sure you don't feel there's much worth to the Oscars. Well, I get I get very torn because, like, you get a year like this year where there's just so much melodrama and there's so much that's put forward that we have already seen 
time and time again. Warhorse being the worst exa- or the best example of the most mundane formulaic thing that we've seen. Like this has been done before over and over again. So there's years like this where I'm just like, oh, really? You guys just couldn't reach a little deeper and find something a little better. And then there's years where like, there's amazing years where No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood are both nominated for Best Picture. And one of them actually wins, which blew my mind. You know, so... I, you know, yeah, I like, think they've gotten better. I don't think they have gotten better. I just think there's off years and there's, there's on years. But it's difficult for me to hold up the merits in a year like this when, like, the films that I'm really attached to are nominated for, like, maybe one or two awards. And the films that I'm not attached to get this kind of slate nomination, like, all across the board. Whereas, and then there's other years, like, even last year, seeing Winter's Bone get nominated Mm -hmm. for all that it did get nominated, um, like, that was amazing, because that film would not nearly have gotten the audience that it did if it hadn't been for the nominations. I mean, it was very, it was doing very, very well for an independent film, and they were very smart in how they distributed it, but it still, it, it was the Oscars that turned me onto it, and that's one of my favorite films from this decade. So I guess kind of like you would like for the Oscars to kind of be exposing people to more things as opposed to just grabbing the... I mean, I'm curious about the criteria that you have to meet or that if there's any criteria that's presented to voters over what a film has to do to even get nominated. If you take a step back and look at a film objectively, you might be able to take a lot of the emotion out of it and look at a film from... A more, a more a bigger perspective and that might eliminate something like Warhorse where you're like okay yes technically this film is very good but as an entire film as a whole there's not a lot of content here and yeah. it falls flat very often maybe there needs to be a bit of restructuring that happens on the nomination level to encourage people who would normally just vote based on a pure emotion like a hive coming out of mov- a movie right that's like, wow, it blew my mind. Best everything, you know. And then it's like, okay, wait, six, take a step back. But I, I don't know if that actually happens. Yeah, I, I think, I, I'd be curious to know. I don't know. I think, I almost get the impression where it's like people have gone out, seen the movie, like right before their like nominations are, like, yeah. are due. Mm-hmm. So they don't have that time to step back and actually be like, oh, did I actually like that film or not? Or I saw it last night, it was pretty good. Given that there's so much riding on these films being nominated, first of all, the money that goes into promoting a film to get a nomination, and then what it means to be involved in a film that is nominated, I mean, shouldn't it be treated with more levity in terms of what you're nominating? Totally, totally. It's it's not like they're like someone sitting on like a couch who doesn't know what it means for the people who are in this property. Process, right, right that's like the, true too they 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 know they know very well mm-hmm. what all this means do you think you can convince me that this is that this is a ceremony worth celebrating and not worth criticizing or well, worth celebrating over criticizing i don't know about the ceremony part i'm not gonna tell you on that one but in terms of this i don't know i i, I like i like lists and i think that it's important you like lists i do like lists <laughs> i love lists I love like seeing all the nominees. <laughs> I love like writing it down. I was like that sit like kid back in 1997 writing out every winner. I don't know. It, it creates. It it creates a contentious, debatable like, concept, and I'm okay. With, like I'm okay with that. 
I'm okay that there's gonna be years where I'm like, fuck, the King's Speech won. I can't believe it. But there's other years and I'm gonna be like, man, yeah, like yeah, like No Country Full of Men, kick it. <laughs> you from the '90s again? Yeah. But I don't see where the harm is in creating that yearly. Well, the harm is the harm is not in what they're creating. The harm is what they're in what they're excluding. Sure, the sure. The harm is what do you have to do to get on that list, and what happens to you if you don't get it on that list? What it says to your value for not being on that list. True. I think there's a lot of work that is of great value that is not on that list, and is of better value than stuff that is on those lists. Oh yeah, and there's no question. And you become dismissed by not being at that top. I mean, not to be overly cynical, but kind of movies have always been about money. I know you haven't seen a lot of the movies for this year, but do you have any predictions for who's going to win? You know, I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to predict. I think the artist is going to win Best Picture, but Mark Scorsese is going to win Best Director. All right, any parting words? Just enjoy two to three hours of just lighthearted frivolity. Well, thanks for having me again. Thanks for talking a little bit about the Oscars. I I wanted to have an Oscar fanboy on. <laughs> I, hopefully I fulfilled that role for you adequately enough. We'll see. We'll see? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see in the edit. Okay. Alright, goodbye kids. So, what do you think? I hope that conversation gave you some food for thought. Uh, remember to email me your questions, quandaries, quarrels at eliesmoviemassacre at gmail.com or you can always find me on the Twitter at eliesmassacre. I'll leave you with one last thing before we go. After our conversation, I asked Elliot if he could name all the Best Picture Award winners by year. And here's what happened. Oh man, at one point I could do from, and I, may, I could probably still do it, from at least from 1966 or 65 to, to today. Can you try? Yeah. So, oh wait, maybe I'm forgetting 1966. Uh, okay, let's just, 1967, In the Heat of the Night, 68, Oliver, 69, Midnight Cowboy, 70, Padden, 71, French Connection, 72, Godfather, 73, This Thing, 74, Godfather Part 2, 75, When Flew the Cuckoo's Nest, 76, was Rocky, 77, Annie Hall, 78, was The Godfather, 79, is Kramer vs. Kramer, 1980s Ordinary People being a Raging Bull, which was a travesty. It was very good. Ordinary People was awesome. Yeah. Raging Bull is better, but Ordinary People is awesome. 1981 is Chariots of Fire. 82 is Gandhi. 83, Terms of Endearment. 84 is Platoon. 85, no, 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 Platoon's 86. Oh no, it's falling apart. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't done this in so long. It's so rusty. <laughs> 84, Imadeus, 85 is, uh, well, 86 is Platoon, 87 is The Last Emperor, 88, Rain Man, 89, Dragon with Daisy, 1990, Dances with Wolves, 91, uh, Silence of the Lambs, 1992, because 93 is Schindler's List, 94 is Forrest Gump, 95 is Braveheart, 90. Six is Canadian author Michael Ondaatje, English, English patient. patient. Ninety-seven, first Titanic. Yeah. Ninety-eight is Shakespeare in Love. Ninety-nine, American Beauty. Gladiator two thousand. Yeah. Two thousand and one. Actually, no, I don't know if I can do the two thousands that well. Uh oh.